0: Yo, what up? Welcome to Free Refills Podcast, where we come together as youth leaders to discuss the realities of leading in youth ministry. Our hope is that you leave refilled, refueled, and re-energized to carry on in ministry. I'm your host, Boss, coming to you from Indianapolis, Indiana, and I'm joined by my co-host, Dusty. What's up? Coming from Tulsa, Oklahoma, and Orlando.
1: What up, though?
0: Coming to you from Cincinnati, Ohio. Each episode, we have a special guest join us today we have a returning guest on the call today Mike Hickerson Mike welcome what's up glad to be here thanks for having me well Mike uh, we've had you on before a couple episodes back but for those that are just they're tuning in today and this is the first time they've heard from you uh, tell us about yourself where are you located uh, tell us about your family and how long you're in, how long you've been in ministry
2: yeah yeah so I live in Ventura, California. Uh, we started a church plant uh, we were actually turning nine this sunday um, Congrats. so in Ventura, California, um, I was a student pastor I'm a recovering student pastor. I did that for almost twenty years. I got a demotion to be the lead planter of this um, uh, so I grew up in Oklahoma, married a Kentucky girl, and was living in Illinois before we planted in California so uh, that either means I can't keep a job or I'm a vagabond. I don't know which one that is so I've got three daughters, so that's a lot of estrogen in my house. You can pray for me on that. Um, I've got an 18-year-old that we're actually taking next week. We're dropping off to college. she to be a freshman in college at Grand Canyon University. I've got a 15-year-old um, that's a sophomore and a seventh grader that, or a, and a, a 12-year-old that's a seventh grader. So they all have boy names: Hayden, Bryson, Tyler. I'm their dad. You can get over it. Uh, no, but as a student, I've been in ministry. Like I. I didn't grow up in church in Owasa, Oklahoma, and um, a friend was the first person to ever invite me to uh, church. It's actually Dusty's boss, which is hilarious. Um, but That's I was the awesome. best man of my wedding, invited me to church, led me to Christ. Um, and so I went to, I felt a calling into ministry and I didn't know what that was out of high school. And I went to Ozark Christian College and have done internships and have been in ministry since I was 18 years old. So, and I'm 43 now, so I'm very old.
0: Woo! There it is. Dusty, how how far is uh, the location in Oklahoma that he said from you?
1: Yeah, so it's probably about of forty minutes. You know, I think traffic. Uh, it's just just a highway shot, really. But like, uh, and then it's kind of cool because where he went to college, I I went to college in the same same town, just uh just down the street. So, yeah, a later. Yeah, about a decade later. Yeah, <laughs> sure, sure. We were close to the same circles. Yeah. Um, but Hey, Mike, we want to say again, thank you. This is like the first time that we've ever had like a reattorney re a returning returning. Yeah. re, re yeah, returning guests this early. We had one that would came back after the first season. Um, but man, we just had a lot of feedback. Okay. uh from just your episode uh, and we'll get to that in a second so instead of this like since you're this close to, to your last episode i'm not going to ask you the fun questions anymore um, okay. if you want those you can go to like three episodes back and go hear this fun stuff um, but like you said that you're in california what is like the climate there not weather related <laughs> more of just like life related in like yeah. for, for people like like us that are not in california
2: Yeah. So I live in Ventura, which is a coastal city. It's an awesome city. It's a, it's north of LA, north of Malibu, south of Santa Barbara. So Mm. it's still considered SoCal, but it's the the north end of SoCal, if that makes sense. So uh, we're about three hours and a half from San Diego, probably about five hours from San Francisco. So the climate in California right now um, is like, so this is also fire season. So if you watch the news it's a very real thing. California's very dry. We get hardly any rain, but our why we have so much crops and stuff is cuz the ocean like it's like a Mediterranean climate that gets all the all the water. But what happens is when the when the wind shifts in the winter uh, or when when the wind shifts in the fall right now, it blows off of the desert and it's hot wind called the Santa Anas. Mm-hmm. and then it's such a dry climate if you're not living by the ocean any spark any fire anything and it all of a sudden kicks up and it's game on so mm-hmm. uh it's just a known it, It's fire season in california and so it is hazy like crazy and it's not smog. so um there's fire multiple fires all over california right now uh, and so there's obviously racial tension um police tension um obviously covid tension So in california like The still is like, you can't be with more than 10 people that are in your family. You can't eat inside. They've just opened the beaches a little bit. Um, So everybody's kind of been in lockdown for a a long time. And then there's financial tension. California is pretty high cost of living. So if you even think like price per square foot in Ventura of an average home is $400 a square foot. So if you have a 1700 square foot home, that's three bedrooms, two baths, it's about almost $700,000. So it's like it's so that means everybody's margin is shrunk and job so it's it's uh, there's all kinds of complexity. Um, California is that what you're looking for? Yeah, I mean, okay. I
1: feel like as a guy who just lives in the Midwest, it's like you know what what is it like out there? You know, and so I, obviously there's some things that we share. You know, with some of the tensions that you mentioned, um, but you know we don't have we have tornado. But we don't have the the fire, which I, I guess it's an earthquake yet. So no. Yeah, my wife was like, I saw a fire tornado, and I was like, oh, that's just ridiculous. So, and then you um, see it, and
2: you're like, oh my goodness, that's amazing and terrifying,
1: so. <laughs> all at the same time.
2: And Ventura, very real, a couple years ago, almost burned all the way to the ground. Um, so, like, we had a very massive fire that our firemen here and other places that came in to help saved our city. So, uh, it's a very real fear that
1: people live with in California. Wow. Wow. Well, thanks for sharing that. Um, But I think what, you know, I think we say this every time we could always, and we talked about this pre-show, I mean, we could talk about a lot of different things. We, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're fun to talk to. We were just talking about, you know, family and just life and some craziness that's happening over COVID. But, you know, we had you back on because, Man, you said something. I'm gonna have you re-say it. I'll try to say it my best I can, but I would love for you to fix it when I mess it up. <laughs> um, and you just said that we gotta we you gotta stop being about A B C and be more about D E F. And the A B C was attendance, building, and cash, right? And then it was D E F was discipleship, empowerment, and formation engagement, engagement, so close. close, so close. I had it. So I'm going to have you just recap that back a little bit right. of, of what that means. And then we're going to talk a little bit more about it and why. Yeah. We talked a lot about like student ministry, like the
2: scorecard is changed. And I know you've talked about a lot on, on this specifically too, not just on my se- my, mm-hmm. my, uh, session, but it was like, okay, the the scorecard has changed. And we used to grade it on how many, students did we get to come and did we get one more student to attend than we did last week that means we're doing good and are we do we have a student room and the building that we have and you know what's our student budget or is mm. it self-sufficient is it like are, are we able to keep camp costs down is the church investing in us do we have a church van- you know it's like we're, so we are measuring the success of our ministry on the attendance the building that we have and the cash that we have we actually need those those are functional things that you need to be counting but I think in this season, when we were thinking through flipping the scorecard, like we can't do all that stuff. And maybe some people are able to gather back and it's different around the country, but if we could get to where we're measuring and we're really going after success and a win is, how do we disciple, how do we engage, and how do we help spiritual, spiritual formation happen and get about that is kind of the thing that we were talking about.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's perfect because this, this month we've been talking about secondary discipleship, and that's, so that's why we brought you in. And um, for for those of you who are who are watching, maybe you're listening wherever you're at. Uh, there are different people in the room because we're doing a live broadcast, and uh, we're doing a deep dive afterwards. So that's why there are different random faces. You might hear some different voices as well uh, throughout. But just kind of wanted to give you context. But uh, Mike, we brought you back in to talk about secondary discipleship, and so sure. and more about on this whole. Uh, discipleship engagement formation and what that looks like, because um, you have the unique seat of not only being a student pastor, being demoted into a a lead pastor and a a church planter, but then also a church consultant and a strategist and all of those things. So you sit and have these conversations a lot. So that's why we had you in. When we talk about this idea or this concept of secondary discipleship, and honestly, it's probably not even a great term. Because it probably, as we talked about with Reverend Queen in the last episode, it's really discipleship. That's mm-hmm. honestly what it is. But we wanted to get to this idea of like, what does it look like for us to get to a spot where we've created a culture that students, those we've been discipling are now discipling. And why that's so important and should be probably more of our value than the ABC. So when you hear those types of terms, what do you think of? And then um, maybe start kind of adding in a story or two where you're like, "This was one that I remember," or "This is where I've seen it play out really well."
2: Yeah. So I there's a phrase that's not unique to me um, that I would put this in, and so I don't I don't know where the credit would go, so I don't even remember whose it was. But Great. I feel like it's all discipleism. Like evangelism and discipleship are part of all of it. And mm-hmm. I think we try to separate it so much. It's But like helping somebody find Christ and walking through it with them and, trans, and growing in Christ, that's all evangelism and discipleship together. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. they're not, they're not, I think sometimes we like to put them at war and they're not at war. It's, it's all the journey of, of being transformed into who God has created us to be. So I think it's important to help students realize that they are the, they are most equipped they have everything that they need with God's word and God's spirit and their own personal transformation to help their friends find and follow Jesus. Hmm. So they may not, and saying, I don't know about that, but I'll go with you is that's a great answer. So like, I'll walk with you. I think like teaching students, like the deep, deeper isn't like how much information I know deeper is how much I'm obeying. So what I already know. And so the deepest thing that I can do is love God and love others according to Jesus. So it doesn't get more than that. So if I'm walking with somebody that's as deep as it gets knowing all the tabernacle, that's awesome. Like knowing the, uh, the, the lineage of David, that's great. But being able to go change my future family line, that's deeper, you know, hmm. like, you know, knowing all of Paul's missionary journeys, incredible putting my feet on foreign soil. To serve where he's serving deeper you know so i think like thinking through uh helping students understand that um i would say like back in when you know when i was in student ministry world in lexington kentucky there were a couple students that i would be you know you're at football games you're doing all the stuff you're just being around and there, one of our girls was like dating this guy and there was this the most annoying guy ever in front of you at the football game it's the one that you know he's wearing uh you know overalls but he's got him like no shirt on underneath and he's got mm-hmm. the orange you know construction cone and he's yelling and i'm like that's who she's dating and i'm looking at jody like this is the most annoying kid i've ever seen in my entire life and jody like she always does puts her hand on my knee and says you know he's going to come to our student ministry he's going to find <laughs> and i'm like no no he's not no he's not sure enough literally the next time that we gather as a student ministry he's there and i'm like oh that kid is so annoying um, but really, literally, had his life changed, and then what I watched him like ripple out onto his brother, onto his world, onto his whole high school of like people whose lives were changed, and he was walking and discipling and 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 baptizing his friends. And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, God, my bad. I'll never, I'll never doubt that God would want to rescue somebody like that again. Mm-hmm. I'd say a current story that I think is so cool that our student pastor is doing that was not my idea. So I got no credit for it, but he's literally building a care profile for every student in our ministry that we have access to. So he is called and he's had leaders that have called every family of Mm -hmm. every student to say, how are you? What do you need? What's going on in your home? Like, are you open to if we could do an event in the park or is that something that your family's not doing? You know, if it was okay for us to do, yeah. is, it okay if, is it okay if we come visit you? Like, is there a time that we can set up to visit you at your house and you're asking the parents and asking the student if that's appropriate? And so I'm like, dude, so he knows, like right now, him and his leaders, they know basically everything going on as best as they can of every student that we're in contact with. And I'm oh, like, that's yeah. a great use of time. Like in a time that we can't do ABC, that's a great use of time. I don't know a better use.
3: Hmm. So I, yeah. one, I, I love and applaud that. And can, can you kind of, you just kind of hit on something that I've always felt as a pet, pet peeve of my own, especially when it comes to ministry is the concept of just like time and people in ministry are the most busy people you will ever meet in your entire life but then stuff like that doesn't get done. or And I feel like that adds to burnout sometimes. It's like, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. I don't feel like I'm really doing anything with as busy as I am. So can you just kind of, you just said a key word to me of like, that's a good use of time. So we talk about DEF and we talk about like how to kind of get a deeper dive into what it looks like for discipleship, engagement and formation. What does that look like? Because especially now I either have way too much time or someone like myself, I'm more busy during COVID than I ever was before. So like, how do I even prioritize this? Cause you're telling me it's a good thing to do, but how do I fit this in? Yeah. That, so this is a,
2: I'm going to give a longer answer, but I think this is the money conversation for a developing leader and for sure a student pastor. Hmm. Um, like you used to know what a good day was, right? Like you, I, I did this. I did this. I did this. I met with these people. I wrote this message and I had this event. Good day. You go home to your spouse or you go home and be like, man, I feel lay my head down on the pillow. Good day. During COVID it upset all that. We don't know what a good day is. And so I think for student pastors to have the self leadership enough to know, I need to know what, what a good day is. And if I don't know what a good day is, I need help figuring out where my time needs to go. And yeah. so I would say, um, Caring for people in this season is the best use of time that you could possibly do. I know you're an amazing teacher. I know your gift to the world is how amazing your messages are going to be on Zoom. I know that. But the best use of time in this moment is to be able to to increase touch, for lack of a better term, increase care. For lack of a better term and so I, if i were looking at you i'd say like okay so we need to help figure out what a good week is for you orlando like so mm-hmm. so that you feel the freedom that you can let this stuff go like i've talked to our student pastor you can let that stuff go i'm not worried about how organized the the closet is right now i'm not worried about you know all the um, you don't have to have 75 social media posts this week but if you can accomplish caring for people and meeting with people. Yeah. Like as, as much as it's appropriate uh, with COVID, then, and that's that's a great use of time. And especially if you take leaders with you or, de- or deploy leaders to do that, even better. Yeah. Does that it's help? Good. Okay. So, that, ministry is a zero sum, sorry, boss, but no, you're good. Is a zero sum game. And what I mean by that is we are finite. I, you have finite time, you have finite energy. You have finite money and resources. You have fi- like we're just finite. And so whenever we are just doing everything because we think that's what a good day is, then it's making us say no to some of the better things. So if we're going to move DEF, if we're going to move care, like, like, then that means we have to stop doing some other stuff over here. And student pastors and leaders that want to get things done are notorious for not stopping things and just trying to keep going. But and they don't realize that they're a finite resource. So
1: that's you good. Feel, I feel like you just dissected my life uh, because, like, <laughs> I mean, it's like, and I'm sure I'm not the only one. I'm sure there's plenty of youth pastors. You hear this are going. I'm turning this off right now because this guy just called me out. Um, mm-hmm. And that I mean, I this is no, what we. I do. hope not. I hope not. Yeah. I hope well, not. if they stay on, they're going to get more stuff later. But like the thing is, is, is it's so true. It's like there's a book on my desk that doug fields gave everybody that says like no gad for busy people and i and i told doug fields i said when i have time i'll read it um you know and so when you make time or when you have time Sorry. right? yeah Uh-oh. making making time is the hard part and so it's like uh and so, i'm the
2: same way so don't hear me this is no talking,
1: yeah and, the choir so no, no no you're good and i think that it's just really important because i i hear that not just for myself but i hear that to like i i, I step in to say this to say if you're that youth pastor hearing this, like, don't be upset. Like, take it, take it as like, okay, you're not alone. I'm sitting Mm -hmm. here on this as a host saying, this is me, you know? And I think that you, you do, you still find yourself laying your head on the pillow going, I still failed today.
2: Yeah. And I would say, man, that self-talk is so dangerous on that because so like helping define what a good, you need to know what a good day is. And I think if I think your boss needs to know what a good day for you is, and you need to come to agreement on that, so that you can know when everyone wants to win, so you can know when you're winning. Um, I, there's this tension that is not that you're not going to solve, especially if you're a humble servant as a student pastor, is that we are called to give away our lives. Mm. We are called to be people of the towel that are servants. Like we serve, like we. There's nothing below us that we wouldn't do. We would serve and give our life away. The tension of that is we have to have a life to give away. <laughs> so, um, so I think I've noticed, I noticed two kinds of people in student, past, in student ministry world is that some people will just give their life away, give their life away, give their life away, and then burn out because they have nothing to give. And then some people protect their life so much because they want to have a life, but they never give it away. And so I think you got to know which one, you got to be self-aware enough to know which one you lean towards so that you can know what a good day is anyway my opinion
0: that yeah solid uh and all of this goes back to um i think i think in this time it's a mindset shift like covid has forced us to have a mindset shift and we've talked about this a lot actually we probably talked about this with you in the last episode where we talked about a mindset shift uh because we were reimagining momentum and that took us as the leader to reevaluate why it is we do what we do getting all the way back to the beginning of why are we here, what it looks like, how we do it, all that sort of stuff will come. But, um, it's the same thing with discipleship. And in fact, um, I loved what you talked about, uh, where it was coming together. Uh, I have a friend that's over, he's over in the UK and he was talking about discipleship and what that means there and discipleship for them as he described it to me was, everything. It was corporate worship. It was sitting, uh, of a, a, a coffee together, a meal, something like that, walking the streets, but it didn't include the intentional one-on-one where I see is for us in the States, we see it as only intentional one-on-one. And so it's mm-hmm. this discipleship should be this big umbrella. It catches a lot of different things. And those two things I was like, Oh, that's the, those are two halves of it or a third of it or a portion of it and those coming together. Um, where if we can get back to that, realize like, Oh, this is what we got to get back to and reset ourselves. I think that's going to have a greater impact. It might not be the numbers that we thought it should be, but it's going to have a greater impact and a lasting impact.
2: Yeah. Well, student ministries, I, in my opinion, should be playing the long game anyway. And I know that we have a short time to play the long game but we want to invest for the, their, the students' long haul of owning their faith. So, uh, but I think um, on what I'm seeing as a default or de facto discipleship models here um, in the States is that we want to dispense all the right information. Mm. So we will make disciples by dispensing all the right information. And information is, don't hear me, not like the in, information. is very important. Like sure. It's very important, but it is not the way Jesus led with it he led with follow me and relationship. And so I think when we're thinking through that, it's we we've left the relational part out of the discipleship process. And we've said, just come to a class and know the things and mm-hmm. knowing is not discipleship. Actually obedience is what we're called to help teach and to teach obedience. You have to be in relationship with. So mm-hmm. that's, that's like kind of mixing what your UK friend would say. Yeah. Like I, I, we talk a lot here at mission anyway, it's grace and truth. Like, we're not minimize like one of us we lean to grace we lean to truth you probably know which one you like more we're not supposed to minimize the one that we're the we're not supposed to minimize one to get to the lowest we're supposed to be 100 percent both like we need to add whatever that and then we add time it's mm-hmm. grace plus truth plus time so it's not like we can just you know manufacture real quick through the process of these disciples that we're just cranking out because that's not how it happened with us it was grace and truth and time to become surrendered obedience and in surrendered obedience to Jesus. And so sometimes we try to rush it because we, for everyone else, because we want them to get there quicker when God didn't do that for us. So,
0: yeah, that's true. We do want people to get there quicker where it's, you know, cause we go, it's a natural tendency, right? Where we are like, well, we learned it. It took us longer so we can give this to you so you can get there shorter and experience what we have. Um, and we forget, Oh, it, it did take us a little bit to get there. And also there was a lot of grace given to us, a lot of grace. Um, I'm, I'm learning that as a new father of a one-year-old where I want so badly to show him how to do things, but I have to sit back and go, no, I want him to figure it out and I'll be here to guide him and everything. And that's what I'm learning as a father and I'm brand new at this. And I think all of us are brand new every season of life, but, um, yeah. This it really, you're connecting dots for me and I'm seeing this in a different context. Well, when,
2: you know, what's, what's his name or what's your son's name? Jack. Jack. So when Jack is learning to walk and he can't get it, you're not shaming him. You're like, you idiots. What's mm. wrong with you? Everyone else can walk. Why aren't you there faster? Like, mm. no, what you do, <laughs> you, you grab, you grab his, you put your fingers down. You're like, all right, dude, let's, let's try it again. Let's mm. try it again. And then, you're like, and then all of a sudden you're going to do it and you're going to be proud of him, but he's still not going to be great at walking. I think that's the way God views our journey. If really, if the God that Jesus knew, he knew him as father and mm-hmm. a good father. And so good fathers don't shame their sons when they're, when they're trying to figure it out. Good fathers are there to help pick them up and keep them going down the road. And so if God is like that, according to Jesus, then I think we can be like that in helping people. Um, mm-hmm. I think sometimes we also take too much ownership of other people's discipleship process. Like I'm responsible to them. I'm not responsible for them. Like I'm not their Holy Spirit. Like I, I'm not the one like that is going to, we think sometimes their discipleship level is a reflection on how good I am. And that's jacked up and it plays out in lots of different places. So, hmm. uh, cause it, like we can't be their Holy Spirit. They have access to God, the Holy Spirit and the scriptures. They like, we are an encouragement to them. We're a discipler of them. We're not, we're not like, it's not like Jesus was a fail- failure because Judas, um, bailed on him.
0: Yeah. So, okay. Lean into that a little bit where we can we can recognize that about it ourselves, maybe our tendency of feeling that way. And then how do we break away from it and go the opposite direction?
2: I have felt this way. So I'm gonna maybe just out myself and maybe everyone and student pastors may agree or not agree. I have felt at times at my most prideful that if I spend enough time with that student, I could probably get them to become a Christian. Like Hmm. if I spend enough time with that student, I could probably change the trajectory of their life because I'm so relationally good and I know so much about Jesus and I could help them a lot. Well, that's Messiah complex. (laughs) So um, and that is uh, that is not a good thing. Um, Hmm. So the only person that had that didn't have the Messiah complex was the one that was the Messiah so um so i think when we're thinking too highly yes we want to spend time yes we want to engage yes we want to be but it's not like you're the hero in their story we want to point to jesus as the hero and we actually want to build ministries of people that aren't dependent on us and it's saying my internet is unstable do i need to stop you're good keep going okay Uh, so um so i think we want to build like structures and systems and leaders that don't think that they're the hero and don't need me like we want it to be that's how it gets secondary that's how it that's how a movement is created when it's not dependent on a personality so i don't know that may be way too much but that's great okay. but
3: i'm i'm confused I'll, I'll i'll speak out for the for the uh, student minister or the leader who doesn't want to quite say it so it's it's the notion of i should be more Relational in this time point, I, sh- I should, I should maximize care at this moment in in mm-hmm. our in our history and our time, whatever the season is. But at the same time, my relationship with them isn't the difference maker. is what I'm hearing. So how do you reconcile both of those two things to be true? Of it's not solely about my relationship with them, and I can't think. Well, if I just spent time with them, then you know they'd be all right. Plus, I have 30 kids. So, like, how am I going to do that with all 30? How can I care for all 30? But then at the same time, I have to to make a difference in this time period. Can you can you rectify those two things? No,
2: that's 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 the tension. That's great. So I would say, first of all, um, you're finite. So 30 kids is going to be a stretch, seriously. So we got to we got to grow our muscle and knowing how to develop leaders that can do do what we're calling what we're all doing so we get into this because we love students and we want to make a difference in their lives and we know that that's an influential time and they're setting the trajectory in the course of their life and the friendships and um, moral decisions and like train wrecks and all that and owning their faith it's just proven before 18 is really impactful time so you know spending our time in that window is important we get into it for that and then we realize we have a finite amount of care that we can give them by ourselves and then we realize oh i need to develop leaders But most of the time, student pastors aren't great at developing leaders yet. Not that they won't ever be someday, but that just hasn't, That's not a skill that they got into student ministry for. So they get behind on being able to care for people. And then they revert back to, well, if they show up at the program, that's where I'll give all my care because I'm a really good teacher and I'm fun to be around. So what I would say is develop a leadership system that has leaders that care or multiple leaders that care and know that our job is to show up, our job is to have grace and truth. Our job is to point people to Jesus um, and how they do as a follower of Jesus isn't reflecting on like my job performance, but it is like, I'm gonna show up in the mess. Like we wanna move to the mess and be there and be present, but we can't be respond. Like I, I said the other day to somebody I was talking to, I was like, yeah, we wanna show up when it's quicksand and people are drowning, but we don't jump in the quicksand with them because that doesn't help anybody. So we've got to be able to show up to the mess and also offer the help of hey, if you want to get well, let's say Jesus, if you want to get well, I can help you get well. I can help point yeah. you to Jesus. I can't, I can't want you to get well for you more than you want to get well. So it's like my, my favorite story is, you know, the the parent that brings the 17 year old Johnny, you know, you get the call as a student pastor, will you meet with Johnny? Johnny really messed up his life. Will you meet with Johnny? You know, it's like, well, why don't you have Johnny call me? That's one of my rules have Johnny call me and you get out of the way, mom. So have him own it. And he's like, well, he won't do it. Well, make it like the worst, like you're either going to take your, get your car away, your phone away, or you're going to call the student pastor and set up a meeting. I bet he picks call the student pastor and set up a meeting. And then it's like, you know, but the parents like, can you fix him? And I'm going like, you spent 17 years, Getting him here. No, I can't fix him, but I can point him to Jesus if he wants to get well. But I can't make him want to get well for you, for him. Mm. So that's mm. a anyway. That's probably too much. There's sermon you know, in a sermon.
3: I I love it, and it's you're you're basically telling us like with your whatever your Messiah complex may be, whether it's there or not. Actually, try your best to be like the Messiah. He had to save the whole world, but he poured a lot of time into twelve people to be leaders to care for everyone else and to do that. So thank you for that um nice kind of dive into what it means to just be a leader and like develop other leaders for the sake of being able to care because there are a lot of people who have 30 40 different young people that they see on a weekly basis but hardly any kind of team and they're trying their best to care as much as they can so thank you for diving into that 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 was good
2: and i think i mean we probably wouldn't even pick the the, the apostles he picked, we wouldn't even pick them as student leaders for us because they were so jacked up and immature. I mean, so uh, think about it. He left, he left, he left, he left the, the mission of the world, you know, to reach the world in the hands of broken ordinary men and women. So that's crazy.
0: Who have also kind of been rejected. They're yep. outcasts, you know, in some way, in some, in some shape that we just and, overlooked. And enemies.
2: Like, yeah. so you got a sell it and you got a tax collector. I mean, like these were not people that should have been hanging out. So, mm. Yeah.
0: So anyway, so what you're saying is what I'm hearing is go find a tax collector who is a young guy. Guy also go find a zealot. Um, first, find out what a definition of a zealot is, and then go find that. Yeah. Okay. Got
2: it. Takes all kinds. Takes all yeah. Kinds.
0: Takes all kinds. That's awesome. Um, okay. So I'm going to put myself in a student leader's spot. I'm going. Okay. I'm going to try and reshape what we're doing. Um, sure how do I go and how do I approach my senior leader? You're a senior leader. You've talked about this before, but share with us on this side of things. Like how do I approach them and say like, Hey, I'm kind of thinking about changing some things and doing things differently. Maybe some of this won't even be seen, but how do I approach you with that?
2: Yeah. So I would, um, so I, I would say when the when my seat has changed now, I'm on the other side of the desk and right. it's different. Um, so I would say don't surprise your senior leader, like with an, uh, like you're just changing the entire philosophy of your student ministry at the next program. And parents are calling him like, did you know that this, this was happening? Mm-hmm. Don't do that. Put him in a position or her in a position to be able to defend you and own it with you. Mm-hmm. So that means, you have to give it. So some, most of this is change management. Some people will get there faster. Some people will get there slower. So yeah. learning this is a good skill as a student pastor, a young leader, to like learn how to help um, get buy-in and confidence. So what I want um, when my student pastor comes to me is to know what kind of conversat conversation we're having. Is this a uh, I need help with? an idea conversation or strategy shift that I'm thinking about, or is this a, you need permission because this is what you want to do conversation. And I, and help me as the senior leader know what, what conversation we're having. It's like marriage counseling. Like, Mm -hmm. do you want me to fix it or do you not want me to fix it? Do you just want my support or my opinion? What are you wanting right now? Um, Anyway, that's, that's another podcast. (laughs) Another Um, podcast. But so like, so if you, if you are pitching something and I, we use this phrase a lot, I like, so my student pastor, like I want to pitch you something. Hmm. So then I know it's something that he wants to do that he's thought about that he's looking for confirmation or a couple questions about, and that's, Hmm. that's internal language we use. So if he's pitching something, I want him to come with about an 85% done with confidence and why he wants to do it. So have facts, not just feelings, or philosophy, have facts of what you want to try and why, um, and then have an evaluation time. We're going to do it for this amount, and we're going to evaluate it. And I want to come back to you, and we'll talk about whether it's worked or not. Hmm. So if I have a leader, any leader that comes into me with that much preparation and that much forethought, man, I'm I'm, I'm a I'm I'm bound to go like, okay, let's try it. I can own that with you. And if I get a call from a parent, which doesn't happen, but I'm sure it happens, and to me it doesn't happen to me, I'm sure it happens in your world. Sure, sure. But it's like, like I know, I know that decision. I know that decision that boss made. I I think it's a great decision. We're gonna evaluate it, see how it goes. What do you mm-hmm. think about it? I mean, obviously, you may not like it, but why didn't you like it? You know? So, mm.
0: yeah, yeah, that's helpful. That's really helpful because um, I think if if I'm if I'm in a position where I, um, am potentially. I'm pegged as the leader and I'm the one that needs to make the decision. Um, I need more backing or someone else who's thinking the same way, or at least on board with me as I make that shift to give me a confidence to step out into it rather than let's try this, let's roll the dice. And then, you know, we'll answer questions. We'll ask for, you know, forgiveness later rather than permission and all that sort of stuff. That that just
2: doesn't, that doesn't put me in a spot to help you. Hmm. As a, and I want to help you. If I'm a good leader and I'm trying to be personally, like, I want to get your back. Like, I act, I want to have your back. I want to, like, take all the bullets for you because I own it with you. So, like, Taylor, our student pastor, came to us and pitched this, okay, this is what I want to do. I want to try some gatherings in parks because parents are okay with it because I've called them. I'm like, okay, I want to build a care profile because I want to know what's going on in every house and I want to do home visits. What do you think about that? I'm like sitting here going like, Yes, like that's great. That's so cool, man. Go for it. So I'm because there's nowhere that we can gather. Like it's in California, we're not allowed unless it's outside. So
0: mm, that's good. That yeah, that's really helpful. And that thanks for that like real time example too, where it's like, oh, okay, that's how that went. Um Yeah, I I'll say yeah, this. I,
1: I like uh I like hearing this because um because Mike is best friends and with my senior pastor, it's like I feel like Mike is like gauging his answer to be like, Dusty, by the way, <laughs> that's stop, not true. Stop doing this to him because he gets on Fortnite with me and just tells me all the things that you're doing wrong. Not true. Not um, true. <laughs> no. We I mean, do get I,
2: on Fortnite, but he doesn't talk bad about you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no. Um, I just put this in here just in case he ever listened to it. He'd come find me. Um, No, I just wanted to say too, like back to like discipleship and this idea of, of empowering, you know, what you've seen as far as more of like your uh, consultant job, right? Like if you could, if you could throw a dart and, you know, of somebody that you saw in some place that you got to do some consulting things, maybe like two, one that was just like, not, was not the, not the move. It was not the, this is what they thought they signed up for discipleship and you had to like, kind of like have maybe a conversation and be like that's not exactly it. And then maybe a good example of something that you saw out there in your consultant field.
2: Yeah. Oh man. Um, Well, I think uh, I'll do some general things that I see being um, not as effective and maybe short term effective, but long term, not effective is I think um, there's a generation of leaders uh, and it's not always generational. Sometimes it's um, geographical that are looking that are silver bullet leaders, then not cores, but, um, but no, I'm just kidding. But they're looking, they're looking for what's the next silver bullet or what I went to the conference and I got the thing and we need to do the thing. Cause that's gonna help us get from, you know, here to here or whatever it is we're stuck or this is so like, I love stuff like rooted. I think rooted is cool. Like I've actually read through Rooted and we're trying to figure out Rooted, but Rooted is like an, an add on to the menu, not a fix for discipleship. So mm-hmm. I think what we're yeah. trying to figure out is what's underneath the church. Like, so that's where we talk about like great commission engine or great commission. Like, man, we're, it mattered that they gathered it and together and corporately. It mattered that they gathered in homes and it mattered that they lived surrendered lives to their community. So all that is discipleship. We're trying to do that. And then we like that's so if it fits in that, then that's we want to care more about is that happening? um, Not what are we adding on to the menu on top? And so um, that so I, I see a lot of menu discipleship versus relational discipleship and they're not always at odds it's just i think it's it sticks more when you're not just trying to do menu and information you're trying to do relationship along the way so i know there's rooted groups and all that kind of stuff All that's all that's great i think the other part that i see um that i especially have a passion about is that are lost people going through that process period like i know we want to get great at discipling and that's great but if we don't have lost people (laughs) Entering into the discipleship process, we are going to have a very short lifespan on how many people we can disciple. So I, I usually ask hard questions, Dusty. Like you know, like that's great. How many lost people came to that class? You know, mm-hmm. I know we help people grow up in faith, and that actually is great. But how many people are finding Jesus at what we're doing with the menus that we're offering? So um, is that is that answer kind of
1: okay? Oh yeah. I love that. And then, and then again, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm like, what is he talking about? Cause like my youth group staying rooted and we just went over this like two oh. months ago and I'm like, what the heck? This guy just keeps coming at me. I don't know. No, no, no. We did a, <laughs> uh, we did a
2: generosity initiative called rooted. So uh, and it had nothing to do with the groups cause, but we were going to launch some of those out of it anyway. So that, there's no shade on that. No shade.
1: Well, I appreciate it. because that's,
0: that's awesome. That's super cool. And really funny that your, uh, your name is rooted and he's been, not, so like, he hasn't been dog and rooted. He just. No, he, no. I'm yeah, pro not at all. I know. Yeah. I, that's what I heard.
2: Yeah. So like so, things like growth track. is yep. another one out there. That's, it's a, excellent, but it is like, it is a menu item on top
3: of right. What right. the discipleship and
2: process. Not, yep.
3: yep. Okay. Yep. yep. That's, hey, what, and that's one, what I'm
2: hearing.
0: Go ahead.
3: One thing that I'm, I'm noticing with all of this and all these conversations, which is tough in ministry. A lot of times is like, it just sounds like more work because when you say like, it's okay. Yeah, it's, it's the menu thing, but like, it's also this at the same time. And I think we look for those silver bullets because it's like, man, again, going right back to the whole busy thing. I'm, I'm doing so much. I, I need that one thing to take me over the top. I need that one thing to fix it. But the reality is it's like, no, you, you probably need about four or five things, right. Mm-hmm. To really put you over the top or to really be healthy in your ministry to do the work and then you got to ask the tough question like you just did of okay i did all this but like who's finding god in all this who's finding is there anyone lost that's been through that and that just honestly in in full transparency just sounds like more work but i think that's the heart of ministry it's like and that's why you know especially you uh, student ministers in general are so important because we're always ready to just go and go we have so much energy because especially dealing with these young people it's always that more but I thank you for helping us kind of pinpoint these are some great ways to spend your time, some great things to lean into, um, because I think we get lost in that sometimes.
2: 100%. I, I had a friend tell me I was like, COVID has has de um, like made it made it made ministry less sexy. So, and I don't mean that that's in a negative way. What he said is mm-hmm. like it's now it's more guerrilla warfare, hand to hand combat yeah, of caring for people than it was like the, the, the sexy event
3: that we wanted to invite everybody to, you know, so. Yep. 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 It's yep. much less about smoke machines and led screens behind you and much more about, Hey, how are you today? Yep.
2: Yep. And,
0: and
3: just, and really- I do have
2: an L just so we're clear. I have an L there's an led screen, right? <laughs> right in our lo- In our lobby. So yeah, it is behind me. I'm just yeah dancing. I
0: mean it's our little personal studios that we've put together like that's yeah. that's it yeah um Mike thank you for this thank you for this conversation yeah, um, I hope
2: it's helpful so. it's
0: awesome super cool um we're is there anything else that you want to share right right now as we yeah. close
2: I, I just like you aren't just leading through pandemic you mm-hmm. are in one so be kind to your soul. Um, in this. I think sometimes we feel like like we're just doing a terrible job as a leader and we're doing terrible at home and we don't know how to lead through the fog of COVID and we're like, yeah, we're not winning anywhere. And I'm like, you're not just leading through one, you're in one. And so, man, do whatever you need to do to be physically, relationally, spiritually, emotionally healthy in this time because you are the asset. So, uh, your, your, your gifts aren't the asset, like you're, you know, you are the asset and your connection with God and your health and emotional, spiritual, relational health is the asset. So, um, be kind to your soul uh, in the midst of this. So that's, that has been important for us to kind of navigate through.
0: That's awesome. Mike, thanks sure. for, thanks for the conversation. Thanks for coming back and joining us on, uh, this, this latest episode.
2: Yeah. Much love man. Thank you.
0: Yo, so my mind is swirling after that conversation with Mike. We so appreciate him coming and sitting down with us again to unpack some more things and talk a more specific context about um, some practical ways uh, to uh, redefine discipleship um, and look at it in a deeper level and talk about the discipleship engagement and formation uh, that he spoke about at the top of the conversation. This conversation uh, had more people involved because we did a live broadcast. So if you're listening to this, uh, there were people uh, that weren't normally a part of the call, a part of it. If you're watching on YouTube, plug for our YouTube channel, uh, you got to see a couple of those faces. Also, the thing afterwards is we did a deep dive, and so we talked specifically with the people that were on the call about their context and what was going on there and they had they were able to ask questions to Mike and get some real time feedback from a consultant uh, that and they didn 't have to pay for it, which was kind of super cool um, sorry mike we'll uh, we'll bless you in some way, but um, yeah, we super appreciate Mike sitting down with us, taking the time out of his busy schedule to discuss these types of things. Hey, if you felt, um, I don't know, moved by this, if, if you gained something out of it, let us know. We'd love to know um, how this benefited you. Maybe it didn't benefit you, but let us know. Anyway, uh, you can reach out to us um, through an email address, podcast at nnym.org. Um, that'll be in the links below and we'll put that in the, in the description so you can find all that. We'll also, Uh, link up some ways to connect with Mike. And like we said in the episode before, um, he came in on episode, I believe, 23 or 24 uh, with us. And so go back and listen to that one as he talked about reimagining momentum. Um, Hey, until next time, just make sure to remember, the more you're pouring into yourself, the more you're able to pour out to others. Peace. Blessings.